My Hockey Hero is proudly supported by eBay Canada. My name is Dean. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. I didn't see myself as a black hockey player. I saw myself as a hockey player. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. When you're on a hockey card, it's, it's pretty cool. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Bojack, Molden steals the puck away from Bufflin, coming in, scores! Greg Molden, his second shorthanded goal of the season, and put the Avs ahead 2-1. to one. What a spectacular goal. Greg Molden was born in Massachusetts, in 1982. He played for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the New York Islanders, and the Colorado Avalanche. So how does Greg feel when he sees his rookie card? You know, it was, it was good. You know, I grew up in an area uh, in the neighborhood where uh, we had a lot of kids that loved to play roller hockey and rollerblade and street hockey and stuff like that. So um, growing up, I saw and I played roller hockey with all the kids in the neighborhood. My household growing up, I, I grew up in a household of, uh, you know, two loving parents and a sister. Um, we were raised pretty, uh, pretty strict. We also had our fun too. Um, being the son of, of a dad that was in the military, who was in the Navy, um, before my mom had met my dad, she was in the convent to be a nun. So um, we kind of grew up in a household of, of discipline and that sort of thing. So. Um, we understood about the values and working hard, you know, with her being a police officer now, me doing what I'm doing with hockey, it's kind of shown. Greg grew up with a loving family and a youthful experience with a live hockey game hooked him for life. For the most part, uh, hockey just kind of took over because that was the first sport that I saw live to a Bruins alumni game when I was six with my mom and fell in love with it ever since. They were playing like the Framingham firefighters or something. And uh, I, I told my mom I wanted to skate and next, you know, they got me some skates from the Salvation Army. And uh, I remember, you know, I drive by the rink all, all the time now, Laura Arena. I went down there and I could just step out there and busted my butt right away. You know, oh, okay, this is different. You know, it wasn't like nowadays where parents kind of hold you and that sort of thing. It was kind of like just you know, throw them in the water and see what happens. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I fell down and I, you know, years later, I remember my dad saying, you know, thought I'd fall down a few times and that'd be the end of it. But yeah, you, you fall down, I get back up and you, kind of feel yourself and work it. But I, I just still remember maybe, I don't know how how many weeks later or whatever it was, but I remember seeing the instructor one time when my dad was tying my skates, just skating around. And for some reason at that point, a few weeks later, I don't even know, honestly don't know how long it was, but it just clicked with me. And in my mind, as I tell the story, I probably think I was just skating around, crossing over, going backwards, whatnot. But in reality, I was probably just moving across the ice you know what I mean? Like just like going forward. Uh, I remember that being a freeing moment in my life, be able to do something that, a reward that you know I, I worked to get to. Greg was inspired by the Bruins on his doorstep, but over time he discovered other reasons to love hockey. Yeah, I mean the Bruins obviously uh, that was the biggest thing. I got to watch them all the time. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I tried to sneak in an extra couple couple of minutes to stay up later when I was younger to watch the Bruins play and that sort of thing. And I honestly really didn't know too much about college hockey until, you know, I started getting into high school, really. You know, I, it wasn't, it just, 
I just didn't know about it. You know, I didn't have it on TV. I didn't have it to really watch. But um, going into that, I started getting into college hockey a lot more, lot, lot more because uh, Mike Greer actually grew up in my town. So having someone like him in my my hometown, and um, you know, I remember a couple times where I was riding my bike through town, and I, he must have just come back from like World Juniors or something, USA jacket on, and me and my buddy rode over to him. Like, hey, what? Oh, let's me and get your autograph and. Super nice guy. Um, so having him literally right there in my hometown was was everything to me, you know, at a young age and even up through my teens until professionally. And then, um, you know, when I, my older teens, um, the Bruins got Anson Carter. And so having him there to watch him play all the time was, was huge. So, um, you know, not only with the hockey, I was pretty fortunate, but just with um, watching other uh, black hockey players and then, Willie O'Ree, it all kind of aligned for me. So, Greg found himself playing in a multicultural environment. Pretty, pretty fortunate uh, when I hit juniors. Um, you know, when you got kids coming from everywhere. Um, yeah, it was, it was actually kind of cool. Yeah, I remember we had uh, we had a, a Mexican uh, player, we had an Asian player, we had a, a, you know, a Swedish player. We had it was like the United, United Nations of of a team, and, and um, it was, it was one of the things that was like, oh, like. Not only these guys that look like me, but these guys that I never thought would play that are here too, and it and it, and it really actually made um, you know not the experience was ever really super tough or anything for me, but it was, it was just kind of nice. It was, it was a nice culture shock. It was different. Greg's family didn't know much about the game of hockey, so sometimes they didn't realize how much Greg had progressed. I didn't really. I, so I stayed in house league for three years, um, just because we didn't know anything about hockey. Like we didn't know. So my first year was what it might be, and then the next year was um, I made my A's, and then we were going into sports, and I ended up making the A team right away um, with some of the older kids, and it was very like, oh, you know, how am I going to do or whatever, and uh, I ended up leading the team in scoring, and we, you know, we're a really good team, um, but then people started, you know, saying my dad like, hey, he should go to this and travel for this and blah blah blah, and. Maybe he can squeak in one game and see how he fares in the travel league and all this sort of thing. And we had no clue. So we were, we were pretty fortunate that someone kind of tipped us off on some trials and that sort of thing. Greg is grateful for the knockbacks because they made him work harder and harder. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the coaches that cut me when I was trying my first travel team, um, who actually ended up, I ended up working for him. He owns the rink in, uh, in Marburg, about like where we were at Renfro. Um, they cut me back to back years from those travel teams. And it was honestly the best thing that ever happened to me because those teams were stacked. They were so good. They never lost. I wouldn't have learned anything, right? You know, you're always playing. You're just part of the part of the juggernaut of a guy that's, and, um, you know, I learned through through him because he's been taking this team about how bad did I really want to play hockey. Did I still love the game because I was cut and disciplined to work harder. So I ended up making a team that was like a 500 team and that coach, um, Bill Demidek, he played at Maine and, um, actually ended up rooming with his son at UMass my first, my first year. But he taught me a lot about the game. At high school, Greg soon found that his level of play meant he needed to progress. Uh, my sophomore year in high school, um, I was playing varsity. I ended up leading the league in scoring. It, some people had said, Hey, like you gotta get out of here. You're, you're killing the league. Um, you can't do this for another two years. You're not going to get any better. It's not going to be fun for you. All this, that, and the other thing. And my dad was very much against, not against it, but he didn't want me to be 
um, a small fish in a big pond playing juniors and maybe getting lost and leaving. And he, he didn't know. He, he just didn't know how good I was, if I was any good, you know, comparative. Um, so then I convinced him to let me try out for uh, a junior team. Um, I got cut from that team. But then the junior Bruins picked me up, say, hey, you on our midget team. You're not going to, you might not play on our junior team, but you'll practice with both. Um, so that year, I, that summer when I made it, I trained with uh, the head coach um, you know, five times a week. Uh, I took care of myself. I was working at the hockey rink to get extra ice time, shooting pucks all the time. Um, you know, and then when the season started, I was practicing with both teams, going from one ice sheet literally right to the next, doing the same practice. I uh, ended up doing really well with the midget team. And then by, I don't know, September, pretty early, I got a chance to play. Uh, I had, a, had an assist in the third period and I had the game winning goal in overtime. And then uh, I just really didn't look back. And after that game, as the tier of hockey he played increased, so did Greg's ability. I was just playing the hockey that was in front of me. And I was, I was doing really well there, but it just wasn't the top tier hockey. So I was like, oh, I'm doing well here. I guess that's good. Um, and it was one of those things where I think my dad was very fearful. Like, I don't know how you are. Like, when I made varsity in eighth grade, he was like, I don't know. Like, those guys are those guys are big. Like, you're going almost like 18-year-olds. And, you know, you're barely five five feet right now and you know and I was like no I gotta play I gotta play it special to make it the varsity I like all right you know, getting knocked around everywhere but same thing like I, I didn't know like I didn't know what to expect we were like it, it's even funny now people talk to me about hockey and they think I was brought up in some hockey family we had no clue we we learned together I honestly learned how to I didn't do all the camps either like we didn't I just didn't we didn't have the money to do it I did maybe in the spring and fall, we did like a clinic where it was like one time a week, I'd go on a Saturday, work with somebody, like a group of kids. Uh, and then I would go be a kid and ride my bike and play street hockey. But it was very clear to me at a young age for my dad that, you know, hey, hockey's an expensive sport. I want you to work hard, have fun, but let's not waste money here. So a lot of stuff that I did in practice was kind of just built on that was I'm just going to work hard. And then when all these other kids are going to camps and do all this stuff, like, it wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't need it because I was doing all the stuff I had to do during the allotment of time during practice. Um, always, always found it fun. I always, and still do always find it fun. It wasn't ever a chore for me. It was never like, oh, man, I gotta go to this game, I gotta go to that team. It was always enjoyment, always. If you're enjoying My Hockey Hero and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and fueling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. Greg realized that a lot of his development came from the time his dad spent videoing and reviewing his games. I don't want to say this because I don't want every parent to think they got to watch video 24-7, but watching the games that my dad recorded, but not having someone in my ear telling me, you got to do this, blah, blah, but just watching it for myself and just being like, well, and feeling it yourself. And I feel what happens now. I see it a lot. Every kid has a skills coach. They have a backhand coach, a forehand coach, a skating coach, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, I think you you learn more, you got to feel it on your own, right? You got to feel how, how things, you got to feel those edges on your own, how far you can lean or how it feels for you. Like 
I could tell you to do a toe drag, but if you don't feel it, you know, on your way and how you can feel it and how like to roll your wrist over and move your body, it doesn't matter. It, so you, I think a lot of it is there's a lot of overcoaching that goes on. It wasn't long until Greg found his way to the NHL. I, di- I didn't even know. I, like, I knew the draft was happening. Uh, I was actually up in Montreal uh, coaching a AAA team. I didn't even hear my phone ring. I just, I was, cause we had just lost the game. I remember I was talking to kids and then I came out afterwards and I looked down at my phone and it had a, a voicemail. Um, it was from my boss saying, Hey, you just got drafted. Congrats. And I'm just, you know, what? And then I listened to the message. Um, you know, before I listened to the message, I called him. I said, what's up? He was like, Hey, congrats. So I'm like, what? He's like, you just got drafted. I was like, I didn't. He's like, yeah. Told me by the Blue Jacks, blah, blah. And I looked at it. I had like another voicemail from the organization saying congrats, everything like that. Um, it was it was pretty cool because it was a it was a fun ride home. You know, smiling every year, and I got home and um, you know, my mom had balloons on the mailbox, and everyone was happy. And all my friends from the neighborhood, everyone you know, calling calling me and that sort of thing. But but sometimes Greg wishes he'd stayed his senior year in college to finish his education. You know, I, I really wish I had, had someone close enough to talk to to really run it by, you know, and really kind of sit me down and say, hey, listen, like. There's going to be an NHL lockout that next year, probably. Like, you should stay in school, finish your education, and then you get stronger, bigger, all that stuff. And then, you know, after your senior year, you'll be more ready, especially with I had an injur- injury my junior year. Um, and I really didn't have anyone close enough to, to do that with. Um, you know, I had my mom and sister. Um, and unfortunately, kind of going back, went, my dad had passed away my senior year of high school. So my last year of juniors, he had passed away. Um, from cancer. So I didn't really have, you know, I'm sure if she was ready, probably would have steered, steered me in the right direction. Um, but at the same time, it's really tough and I really tough for people to probably understand that. But when your whole life is built on getting into the NHL and a team's offering you a contract and they're saying, hey, you're going to go right to the NHL, it's hard to turn down. I don't care what anyone says. And his first game was both exhilarating and eye-opening for him. Yeah, my mom and sister were able to fly out, and uh, that was that was really cool. As cool as it was, it was an eye-opening experience. It was it was really one of those things we were going. I messed up. I mean, I landed right better off. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever, and you quickly realize how good fourth liners are, right? <laughs> like, even even at that point when you had the guys that were fighting, even those guys that, that were fighters are, are good players. And I think the person who listening to this or watching doesn't understand that. After his first season in the NHL, Greg moved down to the UHL and the AHL. He found it tough, but six years later, he worked his way back up. That next year was the lockout year. That was a tough one. And then the following year after that, I was with the team in Syracuse. I was playing the United Hockey League for a couple games, and I almost just ended up calling one of my best friends who actually works with the Predators right now. And um, I almost quit and just joined the military because I was like, I, I can't, you know, I went from NHL to. AHL to like nothing. Like, so he said, no, go over to Sweden for a year. I, went, I took a year, uh, played in the Elfenska League in Sweden. And then I got fortunate when I came back. I signed with uh, an American League deal with the Binghamton Senators. Had a really good year. And then that next year, they uh, auto offered me an NHL contract. I just kind of worked my way back up from, from there. So literally, I was almost out of hockey. And then just kind of reset myself when I went over to Europe. I just, I, I didn't even have a good year there, but I just came back and I reset myself. So then going to play that game and getting that call made me um, gave me confidence because I, I played a really good game. We played against the Penguins. 
you know, I had some shots, I had some shifts, I, I played really well. And, um, I, unfortunately I was sent back down the next day, but it reinvigorated me. And then the next year I talked to, um, Dave Quinn, Dave Oliver, uh, Dave Quinn, the coach of the San Jose Sharks said, Hey, I wanted to come here. You know, we're going to do everything I can to get you in the NHL. You come have a great training camp. If you don't make the team, you know, you come down to the American league and, you know, we expect to be a leader and, and do the right things and play hard and do this, that, and the other thing. And sure enough, I, I did those things and I was re- rewarded with a call up. Soon Greg found new opportunities in Europe, moving to Switzerland to play. That next year I had, a, had some concussion problems, everything like that. And there's going to be a lockout. And I remember just talking to my agent and he's like, Hey, team in Switzerland wants you. They want you as the fifth import. Um, they can only dress four imports, but they want you in the fifth. Um, it's going to be good money. So it's another great place. Uh, I said, okay, I'll go over there. I'll try it out for a year and then maybe come back. Well, ended up winning a spot and became one of the four imports. And by, I think it was like November, they, t- they offered me a two-year uh, extension. Couldn't turn it down. And then I fell in love with the place that where I was in, uh, in free work. So I ended up playing a total of five years there um, and then moved on to the DEL in Germany. Played a year there and then signed out with Zagreb, Croatia. Unfortunately, the financial problems there only weren't very good. We only got paid two months that we were there. So the team folded. And then I ended up in Norway uh, for the rest of that season. And then the following season, uh, which ended up being, uh, we're first in the league, set to make a really good playoff push, probably win a championship. And then COVID happened. Greg knows that being an African-American playing hockey makes him a role model for kids who dream of the NHL. Uh, I know at UMass, uh, it was awesome, you know, like, except on campus and everyone has their, you know, everyone knows who an athlete is and everyone's like, what do you play? like hockey. All the basketball football guys are like, what? And sure enough, like, when they all found out, that, you know, started coming to games, they're like, wait, he's your leading scorer? You know what I mean? And then that. I got drafted and everyone started coming to the games like, Hey, you got to cheer on, you got to cheer on our man here. And then it was like, everyone like had so much respect for me. It was, it was not just for me, but they were like, this is awesome. This is growing the game because now we had not just, you know, white students come to the game so watch, but now we had all the basketball and the football guys wanted to see me and be like, Hey, he's, he's representing us as an African American. It's kind of like the way it was from Mike Greer to me and me for other people. He didn't have a choice. You know what I mean? He, I saw him all the time. I, I looked up to him. So, and that's, I don't have a choice. The only choice that I have is to like, do the right things, be respectful, all those kind of things, but be who I am. But people are going to look up to me, other African-American players, they're going to look up to me just because of that. Um, and that's just the way it is. And I, I relish in that role. I, I enjoy it. You know, being able to help anyone out. Uh, in that situation, you know, people ask me for tips or you know, how to do with this, or some parents will reach out to me, especially with social media. It's so easy to get a hold of me and, hey, what do you do with this as a kid? And blah, blah, I'm trying to navigate this. And um, so it, it's kind of sometimes you just don't ask for things. Just That's just the way it's done and it's on you. And, and uh, you're a role model just because of what you do and who you are. So, what advice does Greg have for young players today? My biggest advice for hockey players today would be watch full games. Don't watch Instagram or YouTube highlights, watch full games, pick a player that you like. And don't, when I say pick a player you like, don't pick like, Oh, I'm just going to watch McDavid. I, you know, I'm not sure to watch Matt, like watch, watch other players, watch a, you know, maybe 
take a game, watch a, a first line game, watch a second guy, watch a third line guy, watch a fourth line. You know what I mean? Like, watch the game and study it. Be a student of the game. Just don't try to master the highlight Zoro moves between the legs and um, think the game. Think the game and understand why you're doing things or what you're trying to do. I, I And I found this so much too when I was coaching young kids at the U.S. program. It was all about making like a highlight a lot of the times uh, or trying to go some sick move when the simple just use your speed and skate around them or, you know, one head fake and gone the other way, uh, puck protection. But most importantly, those things, but just love it. Love what you're doing. Um, anything. I've, I've seen, I've come across way too many kids that don't truly love it. They just do it because they're good enough at it. And I saw that. Uh, when I turned pro two guys did because they were just good enough at it. Um, and the only reason I'm still playing now is because I truly love the game the same way I did when I first saw it. I, I still do it. And, they, and my teammates always say, it, they're like, man, we're getting backskated today, blah, blah, blah. And you're over here laughing. I'm like, yeah, because someone decided to pay me to backskate today to stay in shape. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey by lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity-deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out HockeyEquality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast but would like to dive deeper, then check out our extended version of this interview at Recognize, Black Hockey Heroes of the NHL. You can click on the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Quality. You can see the cards of the players in my collection at blackhockeycards.com. This has been a Podstarter production. production.